that Jana is on her way to Alaska this week, and she, she wants to come and stay, stay with us. And I was like, uh, that's awesome. You know, so if he's asking me, is it okay? Do we have room? You know, do we have the time? What is, what's our schedule like? I was like, yeah, of course. That's no problem. Uh, I love Jana. That, that'd be awesome to have, have her. And in the back of my mind was like this little twinge of disappointment, actually. Uh, and now you might be thinking like, wow, what a jerk. I'm not disappointed because I don't care for Jana. It's actually uh, quite the contrary. Uh, the few interactions that I've had with Jana have been awesome. She's like super fun, full of energy. Uh, she's got a great, uh, great personality. She's a fun person to be around. And even better than that, every time Sophie's around her, she gets full of joy. Like she, she gets, goes back to, yeah, she, she grew up here. So a lot of, a lot of you probably know her. Uh, I have to confess though, my disappointment is rooted, uh, it's rooted much more selfishly than if she was just one of those kind of people that just took a lot of effort to host. Um, see, Jana, Jana has a special skill set. She is a world-class chef. And she told Sophie, she's like, I'm really excited to cook for your family while I'm staying with you guys. And what makes the situation worse is I don't want to be offensive and say, oh, I can't eat your food, you know, like, but I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fight that battle. It'll be okay. Uh, but I mean, like, she is a really good cook. The food she makes is amazing. <laughs> like, each bite is better than the one before it. And the presentation, like, you've never seen such good presentation. It's always gorgeous. I mean, just thinking about it, making my mouth water. And I can, I can actually hear Steve's stomach rumbling right now. And I bet uh, for those of you who are fasting with us during this time, I bet right now, with very little effort, many of you could just shout out your favorite foods that you could probably describe with immense detail the attributes of the incredible flavors that you favor. I bet if I asked you who your favorite cook was, you would laud their skill in the kitchen. You could probably, with ease, heap up glorious praises for them and their delicious food that you are now long to consume. And that is the problem. We often settle to celebrate more greatly and praise the lowly created things of this world. Rather than heaping up our praises to the creator, Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, he highlighted this point when he wrote to them, talking about humanity in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. He said, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. In our unrighteousness, in our selfishness, 
in our flesh, sometimes maybe in our ignorance or just our laziness. We exchange the truths of God for lies. We buy the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We buy them lock, stock, and barrel. We settle for lives that are less than. We settle for a hot pocket when we could have homemade deep dish. Or we settle for Vienna sausages when we could have like a nice moose hot dog. Well, some of you guys can have a nice moose hot dog. I can't because I only go moose hunting. I don't, or I only go moose camping. I don't go moose hunting. We give our praise and adoration to that which pales in comparison to what our good Father in heaven would have for us. We give our worship, we give our praise, we give our attention, we give the first place in our hearts, give it to the lesser. We give it to the created and not the creator. And when we make the created, when we make that the object of our praise, it's the created that we begin to worship. Today, as we jump into this message that I'm calling Praise Beyond the Plate, we're going to be looking at this uh, next aspect of prayer. All this past week, last Sunday in the sermon, we kicked off this time uh, studying confession, talking about confession. All the daily devotions that I put out there for you to consume, they've all been about confession, and the fact that we must first, we must first confess, we must first recognize our need of Jesus, and then we have to humble ourselves before him by speaking our need. This week, we're covering praise. A large element of our prayer and fasting time should be directed towards praising the Lord. We should declare, we should make declaration of our praises to him simply because because he is worthy. Now, it's likely a, a fact that you all know. Like, yes, I should praise the Lord because he is worthy. But do we all understand that? Do we all actually practice that in our life? Sometimes we struggle to express the same level of praise and gratitude towards God as we likely should. Especially when we are, when we're going through something. When maybe, when maybe we can't say it is well. When, when we don't feel like things are well. We don't worship God, though, because we believe if we do, he's going to give us everything that we want. He's going to fill our, fulfill our every single desire. We offer him our praise and our worship simply because he is worthy. Our worship ascribes to him first because of who he is. Then, because of what he has done, God, God is worthy of our praise simply because he is. Even if he never did anything for us, even if he simply existed and never created us, he would still be worthy. God's word shows us that we are supposed to praise God. We're supposed to praise him simply for who he is. Modeling this fact for us. David begins Psalm 29 this way. 
Verse 1, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Another psalmist models praising God for who he is by making this powerful declaration in Psalm 96. Verse 3 says, declare his glory among the nations his marvelous works among all his people. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. This is... This is vastly different than the way most of our prayers go, isn't it? Typically, when we pray, we, yeah, we might start off, show some gratitude to the Lord, but usually we just get to like, hey, Lord, this is what I need. Come on, God, come through. I need you this time. This is the one. If you do it this time, I'll, I'll, whatever you want, I'll do it. Now, a quick, simple prayer. It's not always wrong. Like when, when we were on the river, Matt, when we were on the river this summer with Derek and I flipped the raft, my, pr- my prayer was, God help, that's it, period. Like that's not a bad prayer uh, when you are in crisis. It's okay. Uh, you can just send one up to the Lord like that when you are in need. It's, 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 not, uh, it's not against the rules. But is that the only way that we are praying? Is that the only way we come to the Lord? God help us. God, give me help. Do we even thank him when he helps us? Do we show him gratitude when he helps us? Thanking him, showing him thanksgiving, it's not the same as praising him. Giving thanks is expressing appreciation for everything that we have received from him. But praise, it acknowledges him simply for who he is. And we need to work to incorporate both of these elements into our prayer lives. If we are only praising him for the things that he does, if we're not praising him for who he is, we will not be able to acknowledge him when life isn't going the way that we want it to go. We we won't feel his presence on our darkest day. We won't appreciate his love when we have nothing. Praising the Lord is acknowledging him for all that he is. This means we recognize God because he is holy. He's marvelous. He's omniscient and he is omnipresent. His ways, they are unsearchable in the depths of his name. They are unknowable. Our God, he is an almighty God. He is eternal. He is sovereign. He's transcendent. He's the king of kings. And he is the Lord of all creation. And you know, he is every one of those things, whether he created you or not, whether he ever does anything for you in your life or not. He is all of those things, whether you know him as your savior, whether you know him today as one who provides for you, whether you have received your healing from him or not, he is all of those things. As grateful followers who have been saved from the power of sin and death and shame, 
we should ask ourselves, what does it look like? What does this look like for us to proclaim his glory in everything we do, in every aspect of our life? There are so many aspects to how praise can look. At different times, we can have different types of praise. You can pursue different types of praise for your life as you seek to grow in your spirituality. See, in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, uh, when we see the word praise, there's actually a number of different Hebrew words that could have been placed there. And all of these different Hebrew words, they emphasize a different element of praise. We're going to look at some of those right now. We're not going to look at all of them, but we're going to look at a good, a good bit of them. The first of which is halal. This is a word that David uses in 2 Samuel chapter 22 in his Song of Deliverance, where verse 4 says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be halal, and I am saved from my enemies. Praise or halal here. It carries the idea with it to shine, to rave, to praise and to boast. What David is saying here is, I call on the Lord who is worthy to be boasted about. My God is worthy of me raving to others about him. Have you ever raved about what God's done in your life to others? Have you ever raved about who God is to others? People need to know who God is. The next is yada. This is my favorite one to say, yada. It means to revere, to revere in worship, to give thanks, to praise, to lift up hands. David writes this in Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give yada. I give my reverent worship. I give my yada. I give my thanks to the Lord. The third word in the Hebrew that we're going to look at is barak, meaning to bless, to kneel, to salute. In Judges chapter 5, verse 2, the leaders of Israel, they took the lead in Israel. That's kind of redundant, right? They're the leaders of Israel. Well, they didn't always take the lead, even though they were the leaders. So the authors letting us know they actually did what they were supposed to here. They took the lead in Israel, that the, and then the people offered themselves willingly, Barak. They offered their willing blessings, and they saluted the Lord. They pledged allegiance, and they kneeled to the Lord. The praise of the Israelites here demonstrated that they were aligned with the Lord, that they were going to be loyal to the Lord for a little while. Number four is tahila. I did not say tequila. I know you really want some tacos, but these are Hebrew words. They're not Spanish, okay? Tahila means a song or a hymn of praise, spontaneous expression of a spiritual song. David uses this in Psalm 51, 15. When he is broken and contrite before the Lord, he says, O oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your tahila. My mouth will declare your praise if you, God, open my mouth. I will spontaneously spout spiritual singing, Lord, if you would open my mouth. 
If you want to see an example of this, you come to our nights of uh, prayer and worship. Steve oftentimes will just go up and start singing some beautiful spiritual song. Mostly beautiful. It's really good. <laughs> He's actually going to be teaching um, Friday night. You know about that, right? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Uh, He's going to be bringing the message on Friday night, so maybe he'll do some singing for us that night as well. The next Hebrew word for praise that we're going to look at is zamar. This is is what our Sunday service usually, this is what our corporate worship usually looks like. Zamar is to make music, to sing his praise, to play a musical instrument, to pluck, to twang, David wrote about this one in Psalm 30. For, he said when he was uh, dedicating the temple in verse 12, he said that my glory may sing your zamar and not be silent. He said, Lord, I'm going to make beautiful music. I'm going to make music and I'm going to sing your praises, God. I'm going to shred on the guitar. I'm going to bang on these drums. I'm going to tickle these ivories till they sing to you, God. I'm going to lift up my voice to you, Lord. I will exalt you, God, with my musical talents. Lord, you are my God, and I will give thanks to you forever. Next, we have toda, which means confession, praise, thanksgiving. The psalm we're going to look at is written by the sons of Korah, which is a great uh, redemption story that you can look into or maybe we'll get to sometime uh, about a family line. And they write in Psalm 42, verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of Toda. I am leading the pack, he's saying. I'm leading the pack. I'm going to be the first one into your sanctuary today, Lord. I'm going to be the first one to your house. And there you're going to find me joyfully singing and shouting my confessions. Our final Hebrew word that we're going to look at this morning for praise is Shabbat, which carries with it the idea of exclaiming, shouting, to laud, to praise with commendation. David, uh, when he is running for his life, when he's living in the caves in the wilderness surrounding Judah, he was able to write this in Psalm 63, verse 3. It says, because your love, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will shabak you. My lips will exclaim and praise you, God, with commendation because of your steadfast love. There are several ways that you can honor the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And these are just, this is just scratching the surface. My prayer for you, church, is that in this season, you will continue to dig into different ways that you can praise him, different ways that you connect with the Lord and, 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 and seek to know the Lord, seek to grow in your spirituality in different ways that you would know more of his glorious attributes so that you can have more reasons to praise him. So you can praise him 
No matter what season of life that you can find yourself in, whether you are experiencing a great victory or whether you feel unwanted and alone, regardless of your feelings, God is still worthy to be praised. His faithfulness, his sovereignty, his love, his holiness, all of God's attributes, everything God is, all his characteristics, none of them ever change. God remains the same. He is unchanging no matter what kind of situation you may find yourself in today. Despite all the earthly circumstances we could encounter, to the highest high, to the lowest low, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is unchanging despite the circumstances that surround us, which means no matter how great your success is or how crushing your defeat is, whether you are in the heights of glory or the depths of despair, he can, he should still be praised for who he is. This is a lesson that we can actually see in the life of the Samaritan woman at the well. We, if you weren't here last week, we did a little bit of background on that, so uh, forgive me if I don't give you all the context here. Even though when she encounters Jesus at the well, we see her as a woman who is, she's been around the block, right? She's clearly seen as less than in her community. And she's coming to this well alone. Now, at this time in human history, going to the well for water, it was a social activity. The ladies of the community, they would all do this at the same time of day, in the cool of the day, so that they could get a little break from their busy, productive days. And the ladies, they didn't go to the well alone. They went with their friends, but this lady, she shows up alone. She shows up in the heat of the day, not the cool of the day like the common practice was. But Jesus is waiting for her, and they start talking, and he reveals to her that he knows about all the husbands she's had. He knows that she's living with a guy now who's not her husband, which is an act at this time in history. And in this culture, it would have been viewed as an extremely shameful act. So, of course, you would imagine this woman, she'd want to change the subject quickly, which is exactly what she does in John 4, verse 19. The woman said to Jesus, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers, they worshiped on this mountain. She's talking about the mountain there in Samaria. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. When she realizes this guy she's talking to, she realizes he's a little different. He, I think he's got a link to the Lord. Like, like he knows some things, and by her estimation, he knows things through a supernatural means. You ever notice she cha- when she realizes that, she changes the subject very quickly. You notice what she changes the subject to? She changes the subject to worship. She asks him about the proper way to worship. Now, yeah, like 
a lot of, a lot of us think, and I, I don't know if I'm 100% on this, but a lot of us think that, well, she, yeah, she's changing the subject because she, this is supposed to start a fight. The Samaritans and the Jews, they fought about this subject. She wants to start a fight so she can end the conversation so she can leave. That's what a lot of people think, but I'm not so sure because maybe she's, maybe she's genuinely interested in worship here because she reveals to us like she says, I perceive you are a prophet. She gives him a little praise and co- commendation there. She's like, this guy's different. Maybe she's bringing this subject up because she really wants to know something because she's really interested in worship. She reveals to us in verse 25, she's looking forward to the Messiah. She wants to know when the Messiah is coming. She's looking forward to that in her life. In verse 25, she says, I know the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he's going to tell us all the things. This woman was down and out. She'd probably hit hit rock bottom long ago in her life. She'd probably been there for a while, but she is revealing here she's got hope. She realizes, she knows her king is coming. Her king is coming to set things right. And he's bringing with him the possibility for restoration. He's bringing with him the possibility for renewal. Despite the circumstances that she had gotten into, she had, she had hope. Despite the ridicule, despite being a social outcast, her mind is still drawn to praising God. She was still looking forward to God. She, when Jesus comes and meets this woman, she was in need. And he doesn't care about her social status. Her sins don't keep him away from her. In fact, that's why he shows up. He doesn't come and look down on her for where she is in her life. He's there because of her sinful life. And he goes to her because he recognizes she's in great need. Because he knows he's the only one who can offer her living water. He knows he's the only one who can offer her a chance to be a new creation in his kingdom that he's building. God's desire is to meet us right where we are. You can meet the Lord here this morning. He is inviting us to genuinely worship him. God inhabits our praises. He lives in the praises of his people, but it has to be praise that is in spirit and in truth. When you hunger and thirst for the desires of the flesh, when, when you praise and you adore the things that are created, when your praise fails to go beyond the plate, you see the people around you like the Samaritan woman's community saw her. But when you hunger and thirst to do the will of the Father, when your food is to do the will of the Father, when you meditate on, when you savor the attributes of God and you learn to praise him for who he is, when your praise goes beyond the plate in front of you, the creator is elevated, drawing others to him, offering them an opportunity for reconciliation. This morning, as we continue to sing praises to the Lord, as we continue to seek God in our prayer time, as we seek to know more of his attributes, there are, 
there are many in this room who would love to pray with you. Make it your mission this week to foster a deeper connection with your creator through authentic praise. So this body, so we can collectively know the Lord in a deeper way. So we, as a group of believers, can be satisfied by doing the redemptive work of God. We must be a people, if we're going to do that, we must be a people that extend grace. We should be the first in line leading the way for others to have the opportunity to have redemption and reconciliation and restoration evident in their life. For those who are the least among us, we need to be seeking those things. This is what the Lord has saved us to. If you are a new creation in Christ, you are now his hands and feet here. We now have the ability to lead others to the living water. In, his le- in Paul's letter in Colossians 3, he points to repentance and he commands us, forgive each other. He says, make allowance for each other's faults. This isn't looking down on everyone. Yeah, I know the people around. Even, you know what? Even the church people around me, even my pastor, he's going he's gonna to kick it sometimes. He's going to mess up. We make allowance for each other's faults. We lift each other up. We don't beat each other down. We forgive anyone, anyone who offends us, not just, not just my buddies, not just my friends. Remember, you remember? Do you, do you often call back in your mind the things the Lord has forgiven you of? Paul says, remember the Lord forgave you. We must forgive others. If we ostracize others because they don't measure up to our standard, we are living a life that is antithetical to the message of the gospel. If you're here this morning, you feel like... If you feel like you're separated from the Lord, I invite you. You can go to him in this time of worship and prayer. <clears throat> if you find you've been praising things in your life, that you've been giving first place in your heart to things in this world that are not worthy of praise, you can confess it today. You can humble yourself before the Lord today and you begin, can begin to praise God today. If your misplaced, misplaced praise has resulted in you casting, and con, casting condemnating judgment on others, you can confess that. You can repent. You can turn to Jesus. You can be made clean today. You can begin new today. Jesus, he told that woman at the well, the the one who had been given over in her life to sin and shame, he told her that the Father in heaven, he's seeking worshipers. The Father is inviting you right now to be a worshiper, to join in the celebration of his glory. He's seeking your worship. He lives in your praise. David wrote this. He said, in the valley, in the shadow of death, in the valley, in the shadow of death, where's God? Standing far off, not caring where we are. Where is God when we are in the valley in the shadow of death? Where is he? He is with us. Every person in my life, if they have turned against me, 
If I've been mistreated, misunderstood, diminished, if I'm unforgiven by others, if I'm ostracized by my community, God is still with me. In the first 149 of the Psalms, you can see every human emotion captured. Every one of them, every emotion that you could feel in your life is encapsulated in the first 149 Psalms. And I believe in God's infinite wisdom, he ended the book of Psalms highlighting praise as if he wanted to make this great emphasis to us that no matter what we are feeling, no matter what victory we have achieved in our lives or what depth we have sunk into, no matter what adoration or acclaim we receive in this life, or if we've been persecuted, if we've been hated, spit on, we should respond with praise the Lord. Amen. Above all, we should respond with praise the Lord. And this morning, let's praise him together because he is worthy. Let's praise him for who he is, regardless of what you're experiencing right now. Praise him with your whole heart. If you have trouble doing that, you know, we're going to have a prayer team in the back. They're ready. They're willing to pray with you. And there's several, uh, several others of us. There's several people in this room that are willing to pray with you. You just have to ask. And if the Lord's leading you, go and pray for someone. If the Lord's putting someone on your heart, ask them first, of course, but go and pray. we exalt the Lord, it's right for the body to build each other up through prayer, through contending with, one an, with and for one another through praise. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. You are awesome and mighty. You are sovereign, holy. Lord, you are omniscient and majestic. And Father, we thank you for all that you have done. We thank you that you are active and you are present in our lives, that you are near to the brokenhearted and you are at work in the lives of your people and you are here and you are offering us redemption. You are offering us reconciliation to you and to one another. Lord, that you offer salvation. Father, we love you seek that your will would be done here in Talkeetna as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, stand and worship with the church. <laughs>